Welcome to the Summer Camp Programming Podcast. This is Kurt. And I'm Chris. And today we are excited to have Tara Laidlaw with us. Uh, she was yeah, one of hey. the speakers during uh, our first ScampCon, and she is here to talk about STEM. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Tara, can you, uh, let's just have you tell everybody about yourself and uh, about your, like, what your love for STEM is all about. Yeah, so um, I'm a little bit of a, a weirdo in the camp world because I wasn't a camper <laughs> myself. Um, oh. I, I actually, you know, I, uh, I came, so I came into the camp world from the field of outdoor education. Um, and that was what first, you know, I started as a, worker in an educational farm program and they just ran a summer camp program and I was like all right I guess I'm working at a summer camp gonna see what this is all about (laughs) and it turned out to be super awesome right um having all of these kids in a place where they're already excited to be there they're already engaged um you can kind of like ask them to do anything and they'll do it (laughs) which is amazing um and that's really valuable as a science teacher, because getting kids to like want to be there can be a big challenge. Um, And so that idea of using a space or a kind of either a physical space or a um, a community space, like a group of people as a catalyst for getting kids excited about learning became something that I was very interested in. Um, And that's what I've been doing professionally for 12 years now is teaching to state education standards, but using summer camps and historic estates and wilderness areas and farms as the classroom. And and it's a really natural fit in summer camps. And, and when you say yeah. kids, you mean like like children, not goats, like little goats, Correct. right? Yes, okay. it is. You get that because I have worked a lot with goats in my life. Sometimes they both listen about the same. It just yeah. kind of depends. That's really, really not wrong. And, and I'll tell you that my growing up, one of my weakest subjects was science. And mm-hmm. it does make a difference when you get out there and you are around instructors and teachers who are passionate about it and you kind of get hands on with it and it definitely it makes fun. a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way that science was taught, like I wasn't a science kid either at all. Um, it was not one of my strong subjects. And um, the way that it's taught now is so radically different from the way that it was taught oh. when I was a kid that to to come to know these new um, kind of best practices was like a revelation. I was like, oh, this is actually super awesome and fun. I should <laughs> cool. have just been a scientist. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't, Kurt, did they even teach science when you were a child? Was that even? Yeah, that, yeah. That Where one? We, we chiseled on rock our reports. Yeah, fancy. And, yeah, it was cool. It was really neat. <laughs> So Tara, if if a camp, you know, I know a lot of camps, STEM is kind of new to them and and different. And so what would you suggest? What do they start with? What do they do first? How do they get it going? Yeah. So, you know, I think that, like I said, the, the heart of STEM is cultivating curiosity, helping kids learn that failure is okay and part of an iterative process practicing communication skills, both peer to peer and peers to adults, and like just having a sense of wonder about the world. And that, you know, if you keep that at the heart of a STEM program, it'll be super successful and engaging. And I think that 
there's still this kind of underlying belief that science is a linear process and you like tell your campers what to do and they do it and then they've done science and like throw that out the window. Um, mm -hmm. It's this, it, it can be this really powerful co-created exploration of the world. And, and if camps keep that in mind, it turns out that you like don't actually have to change that much of what you're doing <laughs> to offer STEM yeah. programs, right? <laughs> There's so much rich material already in a summer camp setting that I like. I would encourage camps to shift the mindset a little bit away from STEM as like a standalone offering, right? It can be incorporated into pretty much any existing camp program. With that said, if you're like really curious about getting a STEM program started, I would say like make sure that you have someone on your team who's going to be really excited to kind of take <laughs> point, you know, because it it is a different way of um, of asking the campers to engage. And, and it can be a little bit of a slow and rocky process to build that culture of curiosity and like camper driven exploration. It, and so just be aware that it's it's a little bit of a different mindset but it's a super awesome mindset. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, getting somebody who's passionate is good advice for anything. Have you ever, yes. Chris, have you ever had a, a crafts director who just like is, Oh my uh, goodness. It ruined, you know, if they're not yes. passionate about crafts or they don't know anything, you just throw and, somebody yeah. in last minute there. It's, it's horrible. And the right counselor, the right STEM teacher, the right crafts person, they can make the dumbest thing awesome just because they're excited mm -hmm. about it mm -hmm. i i've i've seen even in our camp store one time we had these ugly sunglasses and, and nobody wanted to buy them and like camp store he, they're like oh we're gonna wear these we're gonna look cool the, they sold out like that day just because they made it awesome i mean the right person can really do a lot yeah absolutely so you're saying that um because my, my thought was for like a camp program, at least uh, the type of camp program that I would run, there would be blocks of activities. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, oh, STEM could be one block. But you're saying, mm -hmm. no, 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 kind of make it I'm, – I'm not, I'm not really sure how you're saying incorporated into the program. So if you could kind of go over that a little bit more in detail, what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. So you can absolutely do a, like a STEM block, and I think that that's a great way – to start to explore that culture at your camp. Um, and so that might look like, you know, I, I think there's this tendency to like do science by making oobleck or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's cool and it's fun, but it's not really getting at that creative process around science because what that is, is an instructor, a counselor saying, okay, we're going to take these ingredients and we're going to put them together and then you'll have this fun thing to play with. It's more like cooking. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, like there's nothing wrong with good. that, but it's not STEM. So like a really awesome STEM version of that activity would be here are our ingredients. Let's figure out together the proportions that we need to use to mm. make successful oobleck. Mm. Right. And so now you have kids engaging with measurement and proportion. And you don't have to say like, all right, now, like, what's the ratio of this to that? But they're using measuring cups. They're probably taking notes about, okay, so this team used this much cornstarch. That team used that much. Like, I don't remember what else goes into that stuff. <laughs> right. Cornstarch and water? Isn't that it? 
Yeah, it's like, only I a couple know. ingredients, I think. Right? Um, it's not hard. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, if you have different teams trying different things, and then you compare your final product, and you look at the notes, and then you're getting into some computational thinking, that to me is getting at STEM education gotcha. um, in a really powerful way. And so that would be a great example of an activity that you could do in a short amount of time. The kind of bigger picture thing that I was talking about is more like getting your whole staff on board with incorporating mm -hmm. that kind of language and that kind of freedom for the campers um, during activity times, right? And that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're on a tight schedule. It, it can be hard to like let go of the reins a little bit <laughs> and, and let mm -hmm. programs become more camper led um, and like let the campers fail because if you're like, we just really need to make Ublek and I need to do it in the next 10 minutes. Um, right. it, 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 that can be a hard, hard like skill to learn, building in the time for that additional flex. Um, and I would say that could be a really cool ultimate goal to get there with your whole team. But absolutely, like a couple of STEM blocks would be a great addition. And, and, and if a counselor were to just take their group on a hike, Mm -hmm. Are there things that they can do? Absolutely. So a lot of science and engineering education is framed right now around asking questions and um, identifying problems and then finding the answers and developing solutions. That's kind of like the big picture. And so just start the hike with a question, like, what can we find out about what animals do in the woods, right? And if there's this framing question then, you know, you can go out and look for holes in the ground or nests in the trees or like rub marks in the bark with this kind of guiding question of what are animals doing in the woods when we're not here? You know, and it doesn't have to be like, and now we're going to study ecology, right? It's like, <laughs> it's just this sense of curiosity. And then if you're going along this walk and you're seeing all these, you're maybe seeing holes in the ground or nests, then the instructor, the, the counselor can guide the discussion. Like, so why do you think they make a hole in the ground? And it's not that we're looking for the correct answer because like, I don't know why, I'm, like, I don't know why animals make holes in the ground. Like, <laughs> I'm not an, you don't have to be an expert, right? But just saying like, who has different ideas for why they might choose to make a hole in the ground? Hey, let's compare our ideas. And then, you know, if you want to get a more hands-on activity, all right, now let's all make our ideal like mouse home, mm -hmm. right? And every camper might have a slightly different approach to that. And then you can do like a tour of your mouse homes, Right. And why did you build, you know, why did you build it that way? Or why did you dig it into the ground? And that gets at that communication piece that's such a crucial component of science education. Like, this is what I did and here's why I did it. And it it right. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. The idea is that you're sharing, you know, there's this cross-pollination between different people getting at potentially like a, a correct solution or not. Just generating new ideas and generating conversation. Um, and, you know, and that's something that you could do in a half an hour walk in the woods. Right. Right. It, it, I, like I, this, this doesn't need fancy equipment. <laughs> I, I've been missing the mark. I've been doing that with fairies with. Uh, oh yeah. Yes. Also really good. Also really good. <laughs> I've built many a fairy house. In right. <laughs> I, I love how you said camper led, but also counselor guided because we we did Ublek last year and we got one of those little kitty pools you buy from like Walmart or something and we made the Ublek and stuff and let the campers and then you know the counselors are guy okay now what what can we do next how can we and they're like let's put it in the big pool and fill up the whole you know the, <laughs> eight, 
And so, yeah, you do need that counselor guidance to say, no, no, that's a horrible idea. The maintenance director will kill us. <laughs> kind of yeah. And hopefully you have a counselor who will say, no, that's yeah, a horrible yeah. idea. <laughs> I have a few that would not. <laughs> so what, Ooblack, I love it. That has been one of my favorite things. I And I just learned about it like last year. Like, I don't know how I missed this growing up. It's the coolest thing. But what's your favorite like STEM activity you've done or seen? Yeah, I mean, that's hard because I like, I think of every activity as a STEM activity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one that I really have enjoyed recently that's like a kind of super sneaky one is using a low ropes course as an engineering challenge. And I think engineering often we can like we think about engineering as like, OK, now we're going to build a bridge out of spaghetti, which is cool. And there's opportunity for exploration there. But, you know, again, engineering looks more at iterative design processes rather than like it, there's this tendency to only think of like civil structural engineering. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we kind of zoom out and look at the bigger picture of engineering, the low ropes course is an awesome place to practice that. Right. Because as the instructor, again, you're kind of framing the activity and you might say, all right, your challenge here is to get everyone across this wire and you can hold on to the ropes, but you can't touch the ground. Right. And so you've you've created the problem for your group. And in engineering, step one is identifying the problem. So you've identified the problem for your group and then you turn it over to them and you say, OK, go forth and like figure this out. And when you do your processing at the end, it's really powerful to say, all right, like identify, let's identify together what some of the steps were that you took in this process. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about like first, you know, Johnny got on the wire. I'm talking about like, <laughs> we identified what our resources were. We clarified the problem, right? Hey, are we allowed to hold on to the tree or are we not? We tried something and it didn't work. So then we got back together and we brainstormed again and we used this part of so-and-so's idea and that part of someone else's new idea and we put them together, right? And so those steps are actually the process of engineering. That's, that's exactly what the next generation science standards teach Mm -hmm. um, for how to approach engineering. And so even just using a, a little bit of that language, um, you know, you don't have to change your activity at all. Um, it's just in that processing component, really teasing out the kind of replicable actions that you took of identifying our resources, trying something and having it fail, communicating with each other about why it failed and coming up with something new. Those are then engineering skills that you can apply in like more normal engineering contexts. And so. And what's so know, great is that say, there's like, no math involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but you can get into computational thinking if you have a generally with an older group, you can ask like, why do you think it worked to, you know, if you're doing like the one with the two wires and you're leaning against each other, mm -hmm. why do you think it worked better when you were with a partner of a similar size? Yeah. Right. Or if you're doing the one with the two boards that you overlap to get in between the islands. I think it may even, uh, we call pit. ours islands. Yeah, <laughs> I it might be um, called that. <laughs> yeah. Peanut butter pit. I've heard it called or like the swamp crossing. You know, you don't actually need the heaviest person to be the one sitting on the board, you know, and that like blows kids minds, you know, and you're, you don't need to get into like levers and like, I, I couldn't get into the math of why that works, but just acknowledging that like we could dig into this a little bit more. 
I'm also like a little bit biased because my I'm not a math brain. (laughs) (laughs) So and and that is something that's often overlooked in STEM. It's true. The computational thinking, the math component, Mm -hmm. it sometimes gets lost, you know, but in like the Ublek example, right, even just recording your data and comparing that counts as math. It's applied math. You don't have to like sit there doing your times tables to be doing stuff. Chris and I want to call it steh. Yeah, we lose the M. Yeah. That's a steh activity. Yeah. (laughs) So if that's your favorite, what about um, the campers that you would see come through or the kids? What, what, What are some of their favorites? Yeah, I mean, I I think that one of them that became an instant hit, we used to just like go out into the swamp and collect bugs because why not? Uh, (laughs) And and we we, uh, framed that just a little bit differently by including an identification key, um, you know, a freshwater macroinvertebrate ID key that's available online for free and a data sheet. And so as campers were collecting their critters, they were IDing and then they were tallying what they were finding. And then at the end, we put put everyone back in the water <laughs> and then mm-hmm. um, come together and compare the data. And we had a, a little chart that was about which kinds of macroinvertebrates lived in or could tolerate polluted water, decent water, and would only those that would live only in very clean water. And it's a very quick computational practice to compile your data, you can even make a quick bar chart of this. And then, like, do we have any critters here that can live in polluted water? Do we have any critters here that can only tolerate very clean water? You know, and then it it made the bug collecting have a purpose, right? Now we can tell based on what bugs we found, ballpark how clean the pond is. Mm. And that cracks open a really fun bunch of questions like, well, why is it this clean or not? What else lives here? What eats them? How are they doing? Do we see the, you know, the eagles and the osprey? What are they eating as a result of the clean water because the bug, you know, right. there's there's a lot of directions to go. And that one is really getting at the stem, you know, <laughs> right. thinking. but the kids are having so much fun collecting bugs and like keeping track. And, you know, of course it always turns into a competition who found the most, whatever is, um, but like, that's fine mm-hmm. because then we have a really great data set to work with. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. All right. So you get to be our tiebreaker. All right. So Kurt okay. and I argued last week. I don't want to say who was right. It was me, but <laughs> is it, are you, are you a STEM or steam? Do you throw in the arts? Yeah, so this is this is a tough one. I'm I'm kind of divided. Um, I am absolutely for incorporating art into STEM as long as it's really deliberate, right? It's easy to be like, oh, we're a STEAM program, and then you go over to the Arts and Crafts Building and you do an art thing that doesn't have anything to do with the STEM stuff that you're doing. Um, and so in that scenario, I'm like, no, you're not actually STEAM people. Like you're just like. <laughs> art and claiming STEM. (laughs) Um, But where I do see art as being just invaluable is in the practice of communicating science and engineering, Um, right? Because there's this, I think there's a kind of collective fear of science language. um, And it it can be really hard to communicate science effectively. And if if you lean into art, I think that that remove some of that like fear or almost like stigma of like, I'm not smart enough to be a science communicator. And so, you know, maybe it's that you do your, your bug collecting activity and you find out 
the quality of the water. And then you go back and you make a, a poster that you can put up in the dining hall about it. Or you make a, you know, you paper mache something that's like one of the bugs that you found. And, or you um, do a skit and each kid is a bug. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or you cosplay as Einstein, you know, something like that. Oh, this water's polluted. <laughs> right? And that's super cool because there are kids who are like super theater nerds who would friggin' love that, but who would be really uncomfortable if you said, hey, can you describe to me the results of your study that you did today? They would be like, no, I can't describe that for you. But if you're like, hey, can you put this into the context of a skit to show your peers? They'll be like, yes, I can. (laughs) And same with the art, you know, the visual artists say like you can even do an interpretive dance about this. Like the the possibilities are endless for using the arts as a means of communicating science. And I think that that's where the value primarily lies. Um, I mean, there is also the the deep value that's placed on creativity in the arts that I think is a really lovely reminder about how important creativity is and thinking outside the box in the context of science. And sometimes those like creativity gets pigeonholed for the arts and like computational numbers thinking gets pigeonholed for sciences. And so to find those intersections and to encourage the overlap is, is really valuable, I think. So I'm like not really a good tiebreaker. (laughs) No, no. So you're saying, um, as not not so much as a subject, its own subject, but as a tool. Uh, so yeah, it, it doesn't really break our tie. But I like no. your answer better than anything we came up with. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's I'm good. I'm still right. I think you're just less right, Kurt. Just less right. <laughs> you know, you keep thinking that. You keep thinking that. <laughs> so with that, that being said. How much, like in in a camp scenario, not at the farm or something at a program that is educational, but at a camp where it's more recreational, how much of the education component do you focus on during the activities, do you think, would be like a good amount? Yeah, I mean, like, I I don't want my campers to feel like they're at school. Right. Right. Um, And that's that's important to me because you lose the sense of, like, wonder and buy-in pretty quickly if they feel like they're in summer school. Um, And so that kind of goes back to the idea of the like culture wide shift toward this kind of, you know, collaborative, creative thinking, communication. You know, if you're speaking that language, for example, if you're out canoeing, right, like canoeing can just be straight up canoeing or it can be like, hey, let's race to the other side of this part of the pond. Talk for a minute with your the other people in your canoe about how you're going to go fastest. And that's in, that's engaging the critical thinking process. And then the, they will race and they'll compare what happened and they can talk to each other like, hey, how did you go so fast? You know, or like, that that wasn't fair. We got stuck on a sideways wave or whatever. And that, that um, you know, that can be uh, just kind of a casual part of the conversation guided by the counselor. And that that's all, it, you know, that can be it. You move on with your day. We didn't like do a crazy STEM <laughs> Experience. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that becoming familiar with the next generation science standards, specifically, there are something called the practices of science and engineering, um, becoming familiar with those and using that language and just like weaving it through any old program is where you can get some pretty powerful STEM going without being like a STEM program. 
Right, right. So you're disguising the education almost, and you're planting a yes. seed in a way. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, and I call it sneaky learning. Sneaky learning. Sneaky learning. Gotcha. <laughs> like, <laughs> Along those sideways waves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tara, if... I come from like a day camp scenario where I have general camp, but we have a bunch of specialty camps. Uh, specialty camps could be like sports. It could be uh, like Harry Potter camp. Um, do you think like a STEM camp or a STEAM camp that's specialty and it just kind of, do you think that would work or do you think kids would be like, Ugh, like you said, summer school or? I mean, I would be pretty stoked about it. <laughs> um, like, I, I guess it's all about the marketing and like, who are you marketing to, right? Are you marketing to the kids? Like, do you need to get the kids sold on it or do you need to get their parents sold on it to get them signed up? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it, I hate to say that it's trendy, but like it's trendy right now. Right. Um, yeah, it is. And you know, it, there is deep value in it. It's not just like some trend that's going to blow over Um, You know, but I think parents are looking for that kind of thing, especially, you know, the research around summer learning loss is really kind of horrifying to see how easily and quickly kids backslide when they're not in school. And so, you know, using a STEM program as a way of marketing, like, we're going to help your kid not suffer from summer learning loss can be super valuable. Um, And then for the kids on the kids end, like, Maybe don't call it STEM or STEAM camp. Maybe call it like mad scientist camp or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, That's what we do. <laughs> right. You know, it's like kids are like, I don't want to go to STEM camp. But they are like, I want to go to mad scientist camp. And so, um, you know, and then once you've got it. See, that's you know. why the arts are important in that. Then you got right? Mr. Mad Scientist. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then once, you, once you've decided to go forward with it, that's a, like a super – to have an entire week to do STEM is so awesome. Because like I said, it, it often takes longer to get through like a more standard activity when it's camper-driven. Right. And so to, to have a week to – like really explore that and lean into it and let the campers take point on a couple activities, like really take point and not be stressed about trying to get to the next thing and like whatever. I think that that would be a, a really, really cool offering. I, I would be for it. I would also be excited to go to STEM camp. So you're yeah. going to, you're going to create your own STEM camp for next, next summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> I would probably come to that. I would enjoy that. Oregon so. would be a good place to do that. That's true. STEM <laughs> camp for adults. Look it up. <laughs> oh, well. I, I heard you talking a little bit about the next gen science standards. How much like when I, cause even when I, I do mine, it's like, I don't, the parents could care less really about the, it's really the teachers that are looking at that. And so do you see, I mean, are you, are you kind of putting out there like, here's what we're going to cover or how do you, how do you put those in there? Yeah. Um, I, I don't worry super much about in a camp context. I don't worry super much about addressing specific standards. Um, Mm -hmm. it's more about that, like the culture and the language that you're using. Of course, outdoor ed programs is a different story because you're marketing directly to the administrators and you have to convince them (laughs) that their kids should be out of school for a couple (laughs) of weeks. Um, With the summer camp, unless you're marketing your summer camp through a school avenue, which some camps do, in that case, I think that it would make sense to say, hey, we're, you know, we're working with the next gen standards, you know, specifically around the language of the practices of science and engineering. If you're marketing to parents, you're right. They like, they don't care. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. They don't care. I think that it would be more valuable to say, hey, our programs are designed to mitigate summer learning loss, right? Because that's something that they don't even have to know what it is. But if they hear that, they'll probably be like, oh, I don't want my kid to get summer learning loss. Right, (laughs) yeah, right. Do you feel like when I was getting mine for the, the teachers and stuff, I felt like, oh my goodness, like 12 standards could fit into like, I don't know, like the standards are written so generically almost you can, it's like, oh, this fits here, but it also fits here. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah absolutely. And, and I think that that's deliberate on the part mm-hmm. of the folks who wrote the next gen science standards. The point is not that you are learning science facts. The point is that you're learning how to do the process of science. And that's what makes the new standards super cool. It's also what makes them a little bit difficult to get your hands around um, because they're so (laughs) dynamic and because they're so broad, right? The old version of the standards was like pretty straightforward. Yeah, (laughs) You knew what you needed to do and whatever. And the the new ones are are designed for student-driven inquiry. That like, that's the point of them is that, they're encouraging curiosity. They're encouraging iterative processes. It's no longer a linear way of learning science. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Interesting. Well, Chris, do you have any other questions? Um, no, I was going to tell you that it's funny. I, I taught for 10 years and I quit right before Common Core came out and became a camp director. I'm like, yes, I don't have to learn all this new stuff. Well, then we got an outdoor ed and things like that. I'm like, ah, crap, not going to learn all this new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is totally like that. I'm like, I think I cover like 54 standards now. Like I can't, there's just yeah. so broad. <laughs> yeah, it's really enormous. That's why, that's why I always advocate to just focus on the practices of science mm-hmm. and engineering which is one of the three like components of the next gen standards yeah. because the the like list of standards is outrageous. Yeah, you almost I I need like I am still friends with teachers but like camps almost need like a teacher friend like all right how does your principal like interpret this? How do they kind of see this and that really helps. That's cool. Absolutely. Well cool. It was uh fun having you on. Yeah. Well, it was a delight to chat with you. As you uh, can tell, I'm I'm really excited about this topic. So. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it comes across. You ask. And uh, I learned a lot. I like how you framed a lot of this in ways that I wouldn't have thought about for sure. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me wish that I was a kid growing up now mm-hmm. and, and going through programs like this. And I think I would add a, a much better appreciation yep. of science and engineering. And it may have altered the course of what I did, but... Here but then the summer camp world <laughs> might not have you. So. That's right. It would be depressing. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to reach out, contact you for uh, any reason, is there a good way? Or is there anything you want to – do you have anything going on that you want to talk about? Yeah. So uh, you can find me online. Um, my website is outtolearn.com. That's out and the number two learn.com. And that is my web presence for a consulting service where I offer this exact kind of help to informal education facilities, including summer camps. My email is out number two learn consulting at gmail.com. And I would be delighted to hear from anyone if you have questions or comments or really awesome activities that you do at your camp. You know, this is 100% a collaborative effort to learn how to teach science better. And I'm always excited to hear what's going on out there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. This was my pleasure. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
All right. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tara Laidlaw. That was a lot of fun. I wish there was more STEM, even when I was growing up. Like, yeah. I'm going to be, I just, I'm going to be lost in her website here for a little bit looking at all this cool <laughs> stuff. Excited. Yeah. Well, uh, next week, we will, we're going to talk about, uh, I ran a roundtable mm-hmm. uh, in, I guess, right after summer ended called The Best Things We Did This Summer. And I'm going to share some of those submissions and what camps are doing that they really thought was awesome. And Chris is going to share some of the things that he did this yeah. summer. Oh, I could probably do a whole podcast on the worst things I did this summer. Even. <laughs> oh, maybe that'll be the <laughs> following week, right? What we learned, yeah. the, the things we don't want to uh, do again. The bad idea. <laughs> awesome. uh, so, yeah, look, look for that. Very cool. Well, we're excited. Thank you guys so much for listening from around the campfire. This has been Kurt and Chris. See you next week. Mm-hmm.